Hi, Jovan. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm、uh, sitting here looking at wildlife pictures at the moment. Awesome stuff. Sounds like a cozy Saturday morning. It is. You know, sometimes you kind of have to take a break from the stuff. And the way I do that is, I love looking at landscapes and mountains and lands and animals. It's just part of my nature. I love it out there. Yeah, we sh- we have that in common for sure. I'm the same. So it's a very picturesque morning, all white over here, because it snowed the past few days. So it's beautiful. That's wonderful. I love the silence of snow.、Mm-hmm. And.、Uh, I never experienced snow as a as a child in Texas, and it's really funny. It was when I started traveling as a very young adult in the business world that I went to Chicago for the very first time in my life, and then Minneapolis, and there was like 53 inches of snow on the ground, and it initially kind of scared me because I thought I was like in the middle of John Carpenter's The Thing, <laughs> right? That horror movie. But I love the silence of the snow now. Yeah, no, it's very calming, and I guess it's where you want to be when you want to take a break from all the madness that's going on. Absolutely. Listen, I'm super excited、uh, that the audience is going to get to hear you on this first of what I hope will be many calls, since I have the pleasure of having repeat guests, and、uh, I thought it would be very fitting to do kind of a recap. Of what happened the last couple of years, because I first found out about you、uh, right after the 2020 presidential election, or rather, steal. Right. And、uh, and afterwards, found out that you'd been, you know, quite prominent in business and technology, and you have around, I don't know, 500 patents in your name. Correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. And you decided to dedicate your know-how and your knowledge to fighting the steal. And you're one of the valiant fighters out there, trying to save the republic. And I just love if you could do a kind of recap of the past couple of years and where we are right now, and where you see the future of the country going with regards to election integrity. Absolutely. You know, it it's interesting. It may be kind of prophetic that one of my new companies、uh, was a medical. Company or is a medical company, and I was doing research in advanced、uh, nano forensics. I guess you would call it nano、uh, technology at the healthcare level, where we were using cameras to be able to see disease state in its very early stages. You know, you don't just use a woman, for example. You don't want her to find she has breast cancer when she has that pea-sized lump. You want it. When she can find it as a fraction of a grain of sand, and so that's what I was working on bringing to fruition. Ironically, our investors funded that company and agreed to the funding of the company the very night Donald J. Trump was elected. And so,、uh, I always kind of knew something was off in elections, but I couldn't put my finger on it. And as we started、uh, going through time, and 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 I'd been mildly interested in politics. What happened is when I saw the 2020 election occur, I knew that something's horribly wrong. This can't be right. And now my main, you know, idea to this was they were doing recounts of ballots. I think in Atrium County or something like that. And if this was an election that was supposed to be by mail-in ballots predominantly, they were saying 90 percent. 
I'm looking at these stacks of ballots and I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, you know, none of these papers are folded. So how can they be recounting all of this massive mail-in ballots? And then it dawned on me as I paid attention a little bit more that what we were seeing was a way they had literally stole the election from us, but it was in a physical mutation, meaning if we just take the premise that a regular mail-in ballot is folded, once you fold a piece of paper, you can never unfold it. It's a hard science in physics, and it's basically the principle of studying movement of things. It's called kinematics. And when something moves, especially when it folds on itself, that piece of paper is forever broken. can't take that crease out of it. And it leaves what is basically called an artifact. It leaves an artifact trail. And so I realized all of this work that I've been doing my entire life, I could maybe take what I've learned over the decades and decades and try to find a way that we could just figure out what happened in 2020. Because if we lose our elections, we're in trouble. I've always said our great nation was founded on an incredible piece of paper called the Declaration of Independence. And we certainly can't be losing our nation over a piece of paper that's very easily dealt with called the ballot. And so since I was already working down on that nanoscale and, and like you'd said at the beginning, I have, I not only have all kinds of patents, most, most patent inventors might do one, two, three, four patents in a, in a lifetime. I, I do dozens and dozens a year, sometimes a hundred a year and have a patent, you know, have patents in all 189 countries. My previous patents, one of my most successful portfolios is how barcodes or Q codes and all this stuff reads with your phone. Most people know it. And I realized, wow, these, you know, these voting machines, these voting companies are actually using part of my technology to be able to read, to tally, to track and understand. So I decided to hop off in it. I have to tell you, I was naive. I was very naive. I wouldn't consider myself a political animal at all. I Unfortunately, now I realize, but unfortunately, I never paid attention to politics. I really just didn't care. I found politics to be distasteful, you know, corrupt. We all knew it. But I, I often thought, you know, maybe you have one city that has one or two bad people here, or you have a state that has a couple of bad politicians, but I realize it's actually in reverse. It's we're lucky to have one or two good politicians. And so what happened is when everybody's searching for the answer to what happened in 2022, people realized, I started saying, look, I can redo this. I can bring technology to the table. And, and 2020, we, sorry. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, sorry. And so when people wanted to understand what happened, I said, I can do it with technology. And long story short, we got the rights to do the Arizona audit for 2020, the single largest audit of any American election, much less a general election, so 2.1 million ballots. That equates to having to understand how 188 plus million ovals were voted. And so nobody's ever looked into elections this deep. So boy, did I get a surprise of my life. I realized in elections past, the way they check elections is not what we think. If I told you 
they're going to do a recount because we thought we had a bad election. You, you and I heretofore would have gone, wow, that's great. They do need to recount them. What, what we didn't realize is they were playing word games with us. Recount in the political world means if this machine supposedly had about a thousand ballots run through it, and that's what the little ticker tape on the machine says at the end of election night, a recount consists of taking a thousand ballots, it could be of any kind, run them back through that machine, and as long as that machine says, yep, a thousand pieces of paper went through, and that count is right, that's a recount. I'm going, you know, what does that have to do with telling us who won or not? And then I started just looking closely at, you know, our laws were upside down, our rules were upside down. Again, let's go back to 2020, because it helps us understand what happened in 2022. That if you're an elected official and you think something went wrong with your election, you have to file your lawsuit within five days of the certification of the election. Well, you really have no evidence. You have inclinations. You have trends. You have some ideas. You just don't know how widespread it is. And so that part of the system is rigged. Or they do these things called risk-limiting audits. You look at, let's say, Fulton County, Georgia, metropolitan area, a million-plus people voting. And what they did in 2018 to verify their primary was good is they reached in and handpicked 25 ballots. I'm going, wait a minute. You're going to tell me that you can verify an election with 25 ballots. I call BS on that. And then, you know, for 2020, the verification is 250 ballots. And I learned that all this time, when we thought we were safe in our elections, they had been undoing the fiber, the core of our elections, telling us the words that we wanted to hear but all at the same time giving new meanings to the words, not the traditional meaning we had. And, and that's why America um, kind of woke up. Even though 2020 was horrible, it was one of the greatest gifts ever given to mankind in the United States of America, and I think globally, because people woke up for the first time to how bad our elections are, and we can only fix them if we know something's broken. So that's from a good standpoint. But we all remember Attorney Barr coming and saying, you know, we expect good things. We're going to be able to look at this stuff. And Attorney Barr said, well, we've decided not to assign or hire a special prosecutor because we just don't believe there is enough, keywords, widespread fraud to change the outcome of the election. Now, you always hear those words, widespread, and then it can't change the outcome of the election. Well, I learned the hard way in doing audits. Here's what it means in their speak. If you and I had a candidate, and our candidate's running, and he lost, let's say, in a state by 50,000 votes, and we know something was wrong and it was taken. If you and I got together and we found 49,000 voting illegal aliens which should not be allowed to vote in the United States of America. And we go to the Attorney General and we said, look at all this fraud. You know, it could, it could even be dead people voting, you know, all the worst things you could expect. That Attorney General can look at it and go, well, we're not going to do anything because you haven't found enough 
to materially change the outcome of the election. What they're saying is, is on your own, and I said our candidate lost by 50,000. They're really saying, if you can't show me more than 50,000, by the way, you better find 52,000 because they're going to try to eliminate as many as they can to get you back under the number. That if you can't do their job for them with no access, no access to the ballots, no access to the machines, and you can't find it on your own, then they don't have to lift a finger. And that's when my eyes really got open to all of this. And then you begin to realize we're subject to this unholy trinity, and that's our government and its incestuous relationship with media and academia, and they all kind of work together to keep us in this narrative that has kept us asleep while underneath they've been stealing our country. So in the United States, the first mail-in fraud we had in the United States, ironically was talked about across the country in the newspapers, was the second term of Abraham Lincoln. There was mail-in fraud. And then in 1948, when LBJ was running, of course, later to become our president, he was running for the Senate in Texas, and he had lost. He, he knew it. You know, the numbers were coming in right at the stroke at the end of the election. But magically, his campaign manager, of all people, drove out to West Texas and found, which you can look up, called ballot box number 13. And in that box, conveniently, there were 202 ballots enough to help LBJ win, and it made LBJ a senator. Now, the moral of these two stories are, once they find a way to do it, it becomes institutionalized. And so what we're looking at in the United States of America is a a very calculated progression, planned, systematic attack on Americans' election systems to create enough holes and opportunities that there's about 200 different ways you can infiltrate an election and change the outcome the way you want it. I'll give you an example that we found in 2020, which was repeated in 2022. Let's just for a moment, let's just agree that the machines are bad and the machines have modems. I'll get back to that in a minute, but let's just agree that we'll set that aside. Are there other ways to do it? Well, in Arizona in 2020, they mailed all these ballots. That's been a state. Mail-in ballots, really the problem. That's been a state that's, you know, well over a decade been a mail-in state. About 70% of their voters vote by mail. In Maricopa in 2020, the county, the board of supervisors that we're trying to audit against, would never give us the information of, okay, how many of those ballots came back where you mailed them, but it said, no such person, no such address, unknown, moved, or deceased. Those are called the five duns that did just come back. You have to realize that when the state mails you a ballot in an envelope, they're basically saying, you're legit, we're going to give you the right to vote. All they need is for that ballot to come back Because in that envelope is a ballot and a return envelope. If that ballot comes back in that return envelope, they're going to count it. It's supposed to have a signature check, but we'll just set that aside for a moment. It took us a year wrangling with lawmakers in Maricopa. And they told us, okay, we had about 56,000 of them come back. 
we said, where are they? They said, well, we turned them over to the ballot printing company, and they said they destroyed them. Well, well, number one, that's actually against the law because they're supposed to keep all of this for 22 months past the election, specifically for audits. So we knew they broke the law. Well, at the same time, they told the printing company, Runbeck, not to cooperate with our investigation. Now, they're a private company, so we couldn't force it. So there was no way to extract the real information out of them. Now, as a checksum, the post office does report information to the United States Election Commission. The Election Commission through the post office shows that for Maricopa County, in excess of 110,000 ballots came back as bad ballots returned the way I just talked about. So at the end of the day, it was truly 110,000 ballots came back and completely disappeared in the system. They can't account for them. Well, the reason plausibly they can't account for them is because they got those ballots back. They opened them. They voted them the way they needed. They put them right back in the envelope, scribbled a bogus signature on it, dropped it in a drop box, and it came right back through the system as a voted, totally legal ballot, but voted an illegal way. And these things are incredibly hard to detect because our systems have been so perverted over the years that we're, we're at a point of we have to play so much catch-up, it's, it's almost hard to really do anything unless we just totally wipe out the American election system and start over. And I'll, I'll give you an example of how this works. In Maricopa, everybody watched that audit. Same thing happened in 2022. If I was to mail you a ballot as the state, and it comes back, like I just said, no such person, the state, what they do with that is the state's supposed to send you a notice immediately out within a week to say, hey, Nor, we got your ballot back, and so we need you to confirm your address. Now, let's just think about this for a moment. They sent you a votable ballot, votable instrument, but it came back returned saying no such person, no such address. You know how they confirm it? They print a postcard, and they send it back to the very same address where they just got mail from that says there's no such person. So when they send that little postcard back, of course it comes back. What they do then is once that comes back, if you've gone through two elections and that's happened, they'll take you and they just kind of put you in an inactive file, inactive. You're just sitting there. So if you went inactive during, right, like right after a general election, you will sit on the books for another 11 years before they have to take you off the books. They're not required to scrub you right away because it's all in the, oh, we don't want to offend a voter, we don't want to suppress votes. Well, the voter doesn't exist. They're keeping it on the books. Now, if you look at those people that are on the books that way, you find that in Maricopa, those people, a lot of them hadn't voted in a decade, that were really inactive somehow in 2020, Magically, magically in 2020, of those, 179,000 and change popped back up and magically voted in the election. That's crazy. 
It is. It's it's nuts. But our our system has been built this way in the most horrible way. You know, people talked about Sharpie Gate, mm-hmm. and, and we exposed it because they said, "Well, Sharpies won't cancel your vote." Well, that was not what it was for. It was to confuse the machines. One hundred twenty-six thousand ballots in in. 2020 used Sharpies on wrong paper. Those 126,000 ballots had 2.1 million extra, extra votes on them. It confuses the machines, so they put them in a hold. Well, when you have what's called voter month, because you don't vote on election day, with all the early voting and everything, they have one month in Maricopa. So when they come in and they're scanning your ballot in under the auspice of checking your signature, No, they know how you voted your entire career. They know what you're going to vote for. So they have actionable intelligence coming right up to Election Day. Election Day is what they fear because that's what put Donald J. Trump in the White House in 2016. People got off their butt. And so they had to create a way to suspend votes, which means it's put up here, suspend, because the machine doesn't know what to do with it. They already know all the mail-in votes come in. All they have to do is play a game underneath and then let those that are in temporary holds finally come back down. And they've pulled off this thing that makes it look like Joe Biden squeaked by. Now, this is the same thing they did with Kerry Lake in Maricopa. But they knew we were on to them because we, we educated people on Sharpies. Don't use them. We educated people. Don't vote your mail-in ballot. Walk in on Election Day. Make sure you bring a blue ballpoint pen. They knew this was coming. So the way they modified the system this time is they made the machines kick out a certain number of ballots saying we can't read them. Now, when voters in Maricopa decided not to vote their mail-in ballot, they're saying, look, I'm not going to trust the government. I'm not going to just vote this, sign it, and send it in, and you you tell me you'll scan it. I'm going to walk in, and I'm going to vote with my ballot in my hand. I'm going to mark it. I'm going to look at it. And I'm going to feed it into that machine to know it went in. And I'm going to get a confirmation I voted. Well, again, they need this time hack. You need a crisis. you got to have crisis and time. That's why they always said in both elections, oh, we can't count the ballots. There's too many. That's the time hack. So they got to create some plausible misfire, misfunction, so they can say it takes more time. So what they did is they made the machines skip scan or they set the machines to reject ballots, which they can do manually. So in 200 voting places, 220 voting places, over 58% of them had problems scanning in ballots. So when that happened in the past, if a machine couldn't scan, they would send a technician, technician would repair it, or they'd immediately replace the machine. A little bit of back history. 748 precincts in Maricopa, all of them have multiple scanners. Under COVID for 2020, they pushed it down to 220 voting centers. In 2022, they still used the same 220 voting centers. When these machines started malfunctioning, they wouldn't let the uh, techs fix them, and they said they didn't have enough machines. Well, yeah, they did, because they could use to provision 748 precincts. It was all a scam. What they did is they knew people were coming in in mass, and so all they did was a little sleight of hand with the machine, and told people, okay, we'll scan it later, just put it in this slot number three, which never existed before in history, because that's not how it was done. And they got you to drop your ballots in there, which basically means you now have to trust the system again. They now have control of your ballot, 
they now have control of it scanning, but now they also kind of have your signature on the line that you were really there and voted. So they kind of covered themselves because you said, yeah, I did it, and I gave them my ballot. But the moment you drop it there unscanned, they can do anything they want, including toss it and replace it with another one and say it was you. That's how bad it's become. How do we move forward? The entire system is corrupted and polluted. They found all the different loopholes. You mentioned earlier in the call that this has been going on for decades. I mean, you went back all the way to, to Lincoln, even. Uh -huh. How do we move forward? The way we're able to do this is immediately through education. That's the main thing. Politicians are not going to fix a thing. We should stop relying on them, period. They are not going to fix a thing. And this is where, once people understand politicians aren't going to fix it, and when people finally wake up and understand we're the cure, we're the army, we're the superheroes you've been waiting for, and we're also the weapon of mass destruction they're afraid of, it's a knowledge-based program. And once this knowledge gets out and people understand how it works and how it rigs, it is at that time we are able to then call out our lawmakers, basically tell them we're going to boot them, which is what it is, if they don't get this fixed, and we train people to watch and understand. Now, that's the key. The difference between 2020 and 2022 now in Maricopa is where there were 3,900-some-odd vacancies of election uh, workers. We got them filled with good, honest people, which means we were able to watch it as it happened, which means we have now empirical proof with witnesses, and that's why Carrie Lake's suit will Get, make its day in court uh, because the evidence is so overwhelming. It's a, it's a function of realizing politicians are not for us, they're for them, and we have to correct it. If we wake up collectively and we cry out collectively, we can do this the right way with the right laws, and, the, and they can't skirt it, but yes, I think the system's trying to push us to a civil war. I don't want it to come to that. I totally, you know, we have to fight against that. But it's trying. It's trying very hard. And we have to do what we can to fight it now with courts, laws, voters. And even if you think your vote's being stolen, we now have to vote more than ever because it is that overwhelming vote and them trying to combat it that allows us to see where they're doing it illegally so we can have standing. So what you're going to find now is 2022 was so egregious that it will get to court and it will get to bring in the 2020 evidence they ignored that they can no longer keep on harping that there's no such thing as election fraud. And, and the media being exposed by Twitter and this collective people won't stand for it anymore. And what we're dealing with is not voter fraud. That's where one person votes their dead mother's ballot. They'll always find one or two of those in a city of two million and say, look, we caught somebody, but it was only one in two million. What we're dealing with is election fraud, and that's federal racketeering. That's what took down the mob, and that's what's going to take down this political system and get it fixed. I mean, this is treason level at this point. When you look at everything that's been done, it's so unconstitutional, this complete and blatant disregard for all election laws and the hijacking of the entire system. 
you mentioned earlier, it just needs to be completely wiped out and cleaned up. Because otherwise, yes. how do you how do you go forward? And this is what we were talking about the other day. I don't really see how we move forward unless 2020 is rectified. There needs this wrong needs to be righted. So I'm very happy to hear when you mentioned that the proof now, thanks to 2022, will be able to impact 2020 still now. It will drag the 2020 proof forward. The system conned us. There was no such thing as election fraud. We were all conspiracy theorists. They did it enough to get the system to stand down. It's not working the second time. Now when you see it here, we can point back to 2020 and go, here's the proof by the hundreds of thousands. As it's perfected in court, it allows us to go back to 2022 facts and draw it in and help fix our nation. So looking at the specific case of Arizona, and I mean, I love Carrie Lake. She's really incredible. She's a rock star. Yeah, she's, uh, she's a real one for sure. Um, how do you see things playing out? Well, uh, there are several cases. Um, there are many things that Katie Hobbs did wrong, like using her staff as a government official to help do her campaign stuff. That's a violation of the Hatch Act. And so that is going to also um, have issues with Hobbs, which will allow stuff to come forward. And then the fact that Twitter, we now know Hobbs and staff, contacted Twitter and got Carrie Lake's uh, media pulled down and ads pulled down. That also helped them in an election. And if you apply the financial dollars to it, every time they blocked Carrie Lake, she has a reach of about 277 million impressions any 30 days. She's going to get two and a half million interactions. You can prove that over time. When Twitter did that at the behest of uh, Katie Hobbs, and it was in election, and Hobbs is running and using her office, that is basically a contribution in kind of $2.8 million each time they did it, which can be tracked, and that's a violation of federal election campaign finance laws, which is also criminal. So all of this is catching up with them, and it's not going to be just about elections, which was the issue. It's going to be all of these big federal violations, which is exactly what they're charging uh, this kid, Bankman Freed, or whatever his name is, for the FTX scam. Mm -hmm. The same eight criminal indictments that they're going to take him down with are the same things that, that Katie Hobbs can be charged with. They went too far. They violated too many things in their greed and their comfort that the system was bad. It's actually going to end up working in our favor. That's incredibly encouraging. And so would it be fair to say that Arizona is the domino that kickstarts the, the downfall of their system? I believe Pennsylvania is going to engage in a recount of a ballot. That's phenomenal. Other uh, places are kicking out the machines. See, the local counties can kick out the machines. So that domino started to fall. But what, why Arizona is really interesting is Arizona being on the border, Arizona is a triangulation of bad government. It's not really conservatives in the terms of Republicans. They're actually McCainites, which is something very nefarious. Yes. Um, Don McCain's system. So they're McCainites. And then they have another faction there, which Arizona themselves labeled them uh, the Mormon Mafia, which is the Romneys that used to be the Romneyites. And you're seeing 
uh, you know, Rona McDaniel, who's Romney's niece, being kicked out of the GOP. They're going to get rid of her. It's a it's a combination of all this left and right. By the way, we have a uniparty, not two parties, mm-hmm. combined with drug trafficking and human trafficking and mafia, and, uh, corporate corrupt, corruption, and all of the cartels. That's why Arizona's such a hotbed, and that's why they're trying to fight it, because there's so much evil money there and evil going with the transportation kidnapping of people and drugs bringing in. That That's why this is such a fight. That's what the bad system's trying to protect, because what happens is if you get Arizona straight, you're going to take billions of ill-gotten gains out of the system, which is how they buy off law enforcement and politicians. That's why Arizona is so critical. It's the trifecta of fixing what's wrong with the United States. That's so well explained, uh, Jovan. Perfectly said. Thank you. So what's next for you? What What are you working on right now? At the moment, there's going to be the, the judge awarded in Arizona inspections of the ballots. Um, there's some idiosyncrasies to it. But with what we learned in 2020 and what we can train experts to look for based on our expertise of, you know, I'm the only human, truly, that's actually looked at 2.1 million ballots themselves in any election system. I've looked at every one of the Arizona ballots besides our systems doing it. So now when we send in court-appointed investigators or whatever in these cases, they'll know exactly what to look for. That's what's coming up next. What's coming up next is that we, we now know what to look for and how to identify it. We're going to see how this plays out in Arizona. I, I think it will play to our good, but I'm not going to trust that. It's still going to be a fight. They're going to throw everything at us. Where I'm going as an inventor is our election systems are a, a multi-billion dollar industry. It should not be. Elections should not be a profit industry. And they have all these machines intentionally broken apart and all these fancy things and crap. I have now uh, ideated a single machine, which is not a computer, which can not only verify you're the real person and it's the real ballot and count every vote and make sure a counterfeit ballot doesn't go in, but it it is non-hackable. They can't game the system. And what I plan to do, instead of doing $300 million contracts and, hey, they'll print your ballots for two bucks a piece, I plan to just focus on the paper and it'll be a quarter of a ballot, and we're just going to give the machines away, which are not computers, and everybody can control their own destiny, and eventually the public will own it, not the governments will own it, and we'll just rip out the profitability of voting and cut out about 80% of the cost and just make it go away so they don't have the money to buy off systems. That's fantastic. So you have a game plan for even afterwards when it's the time to rebuild. Absolutely. Yeah, well, we need uh, valiant innovators like you, uh, Jovan, and I think we speak for everyone, not just Americans. You know, I'm sitting here in Switzerland, but uh, we really thank you for all the incredible work you've been doing, and I hope you'll come back on soon to update us on, on all your efforts and how things are going. I will. I appreciate you having me. And just back at you, at you to have somebody who has their fingers on the pulse of the international flow that is also seeing how this impacts us globally, but is that loves America and is a patriot from afar. God bless you for your voice and for standing up for us the way you do. It's an honor to have you in the fight. It's an honor to be fighting alongside 
warriors and fighters like you, uh, Jovan. And just to wrap up the conversation, it was really important for me um, that we discuss all these things because there are so much going on, so much noise. We talked about it on your podcast, which of course I'll link to as well. Um, a lot of theater, political theater going on, but this crux, you know, with the elections, it's so important that we don't get demoralized or distracted and we really need to keep at it. And you're like a, how would you say, a, a bulldog that's not like letting this go and that's what we need because if you don't have free and fair elections in the U.S., well, the result is what we're seeing play out today. So, no, really, thank you, uh, Jovan. Thank you. We'll speak very soon. Take care. You too. Bye.